This is the Future of Digital Art podcast, brought to you by Sachi Art. This show is dedicated to empowering emerging artists by helping them better understand how they can use technology to expand their art offerings. In each episode, we'll interview successful NFT artists, collectors, and digital art influencers. They'll share insights on how the art world is changing, how they got involved in digital art, art NFTs, the creator economy, and actionable advice that you can use to grow your portfolio and win at the future of digital art. I'm your host, Capucin Jenkins, curator of digital art and NFTs at Saatchi Art. Now let's dive right into the show we have planned for you today. Hey everyone, and thanks for listening to another episode of the Future of Digital Art podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Acacia Victoria Arusanya. Thanks for chatting with me today, Acacia. Want to introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, thank you so much for having me today. Really nice to be able to talk to you. Yeah, so my name is Acacia, although I go by Ava Silvery Online, uh, which might matter in the context of the topic of the conversation today, which is digital art. And I'm a German Ghanaian visual artist and photographer currently based in Zurich, Switzerland. I studied fine arts from 2009 until 2015 and really focused on performative and conceptual photography for the first years of my artistic practice. And uh, today I am working both in conceptual and fine art photography as well as in editorial and documentary based photography. That's great. We're so excited to have you. Why don't you tell us a little more about your background and the work that you do? It's always such an interesting question because when I just try to talk about the most obvious subject matters in my work, they seem to be very much apart from one another, but there is a red thread, which is basically vulnerability and the curiosity for where the light comes in through the cracks and the imperfections and the courage to fail, basically. So right now I'm mostly working on three different projects, which are quite expansive in their own uh, form. Mm -hmm. Um, Inheritance Poems of Non-Belonging is a body of work more in the conceptual realm of photographic sculpture and experimental portraiture, where I poetically explore the tension of my biracial identity in the context of having grown up in a very rural part in Germany with my white mother. My dad was from Ghana. So I've been working on this body of work for a couple of years now and it's really made for exhibitions and made to be seen. And then two other projects that I'm working on are a little bit more based in what we might call documentary photography. One is Resilience, which is a photographic project where I uh, accompanied my father in the last year of his life. Uh, He passed away last year in August, and I documented his life as a severely disabled and blind man for one year with my camera. And the third project I am currently still working on is called Behold the Ocean which is both a documentary but also an artistic exploration of the circumstances of climate research in Patagonia and the circumstances of scientific research with limited resources in general. Oh, that's wonderful. These three projects sound incredible. And so to kind of pivot a little bit, how would you describe the state of digital art today in your words? Keywords would be an absolute necessity. Keywords would also be context matters, but also chaos is always present. 
So I think it's interesting to see that there is an abundance of curated platforms out there, platforms and systems and tools that kind of give us the idea to have some kind of framework or guidance when it comes to sharing our work in the digital form. But I think if the work is not created for the digital space in the first place, it always takes a lot of effort to actually make it work and find the right place for it. And so it's exciting. It's always moving. And we're currently in the middle of a revolution mm -hmm. when it comes to digital art because of Web3 and NFTs. Oh, for sure. Definitely. Are you at all, I guess, baked <laughs> or embedded into, you know, Web3 culture? Yes, 100%. I purposefully didn't mention this in my mm. introduction because I think it's so important to consider that NFTs and Web3 are technological and cultural tools. But I've been embedded in Web3 in different communities with different visions for the future since around March 2021. So for over a year now and really saw a revolution happening. Mm -hmm. And I've been very active both as a community builder and engager, as well as an artistic practitioner myself. Wow, that's incredible. <laughs> I am curious, I guess a keyword from something that you just mentioned is community and organizing. Have you, in a sense, materially sort of organized around communities or maybe art communities in general? Yes. So I made it a point, I think, to not just remain in one echo chamber in NFTs or Web3. There is so much going on. And it sometimes seems like when you have a, a certain medium that this is where you're supposed to be. But mm. I really try to make as many different and interesting connections as possible to people where I just felt naturally drawn to. And so I am mostly embedded in a community called Cyberbat. We recently started a DAO, a decentralized autonomous organization for artists of African descent, be it on the continent or in the diaspora, which really is, it serves as a playground, but also as a place for growth for artists who wish to get into NFTs and make it their career to embed their work in Web3. But I've also been and mostly been very, very active in everything surrounding the photographic medium. Mm -hmm. in NFTs and have been hosting Twitter spaces for many, many months and interviewed different artists about uh, their NFT releases and their visions for the space. So I'm very much involved with the people who are also active and engaged. That's great. You did mention earlier digital art kind of revolution. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Um, do you think that that kind of revolution happened as a result of the global pandemic? Or was it sort of just inevitable? That's a very good question. I think both is true. But when it comes to contextualizing the moment right now, this point in time, I believe that the pandemic definitely accelerated not only crypto as a necessary alternative economy for the future, but also our desire for connection and community. Mm -hmm. And while we had social media before for many, many years, I think there probably was something like almost a global burnout and the feeling of being trapped in hamster wheels, continuously having to post on all these things on social media and really just focusing on building an audience in order to sell, which is, and that's the truth, not so much different in NFTs today if you only look at the surface. However, 
what was new in the Web3 and NFT culture building process was that suddenly an app popped up called Clubhouse. And the beginning was very exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, it opened up later on. And what this allowed us to do was during the pandemic still, we could suddenly have a conversation with people between Zimbabwe and Switzerland and China were having 10 hour long conversations about art and the process and what it means to be an artist. And that was new. And suddenly, I think through crypto and Web3, social media became what it was meant to be, which was social. And through this connection of hearing someone's voice and being able to have a genuine conversation communities form themselves and i think because you know we were locked down in in our homes in a couple of countries at least very restricted and being able to really see people were tired of zooms mostly zooms were always about work suddenly we could connect to people very very differently in the context of being able to work on an alternative career trajectory for us as artists and so Yeah, I think the question is super important and the context as well. Definitely the pandemic accelerated and facilitated the Web3 revolution. Right. The silver lining of the pandemic is really that I think there are many more localized communities suddenly felt that they were part of a global community. Like you were saying, someone from Zimbabwe being able to have a 10-hour conversation with someone from China. And we already sort of had those tools But there was a unifying, well, devastating event that oddly kind of connected people from across the world. So, yeah, you made really great points. What are the biggest challenges you faced in creating digital art, you would say? I think something that other artists who have a background in a studio practice and being used to making exhibitions that always have a relationship to the room as a 3D place and time uh, and medium always face the challenge how do we translate our work that has a certain scale sense of scale because the relationship between us and the piece and the audience and the piece just really matters how do we translate this energy into a digital space where there is not only nothing to touch but it is also very very confined And so I think the challenge is always going to be to not think about a one-on-one translation from the space that we can touch and feel and hear to this the digital space, but to think about our work very differently in the digital medium. And one other challenge that I think not only I am confronted with, but that probably everyone can relate to is just the sheer quantity of work, the sheer permanent need for attention and platforms trying to always find new ways to monetize all of our work where we just have can have a very hard time to make ends meet ourselves. And so being able to find the right platforms and places where not only our work can live, but also where it's being appreciated is I think, yeah, a constant process. Mm -hmm. Right. You made two really great points. I mean, the first of this idea that what's inherent in creating physical artwork is thinking Mm -hmm. about, you know, more finite space. You have something to kind of work with or move around, you know, depending on if you're a viewer or an enjoyer versus with creating digital art, there's almost infinite space. You have this massive like landscape 
And sometimes it can be overwhelming. <laughs> it's like where where to start, really? And you also mentioned this struggle that, you know, as a curator, I feel for artists today, especially digital artists, because there's a constant need to be visible mm-hmm. and to be in front of attention mm-hmm. and to be appreciated, you know. I don't think there's always space, at least in my personal opinion. I don't think there's sometimes always space for an artist to just create. <laughs> so those challenges I understand and I definitely see um, from other artists too. What excites you the most about digital art, you'd say? I would say the marriage almost between work and technology. Mm-hmm. And obviously Web3 and NFTs and what this kind of technology and culture shift uh, suddenly allows us to do. And I think also when I think about like we already touched on like communities and the importance of like collaboration and different people meeting in the digital space for the first time because of our digital revolution, then I think another really important point to touch on would be accessibility. Mm -hmm. So yes, everyone can produce physical art but where it's being seen is very very limited and when it comes to the global south and less represented or less visible at least when it comes to the western value canon and the the gallery and institutional structures here artist groups really do have a so much of a harder time and being seen when when they mostly create physical artwork and wouldn't have the digital space. But accessibility and the idea of being able to be visible by forming communities and having the courage to communicate about our work is something that I think excites me most about digital art. We see what it actually means to have a contemporary global art culture and scene because it's not just our countries right it is every single country where art is being made by younger generations as well and that's what i just love seeing so much of especially in nfc's Mm -hmm, for sure i also love the tie of i guess crossover with artists and technology there being you know the curse is that you have to have a constant need to be you know in front of attention or hyper visible Mm-hmm. And on social media or online or whatever online marketing campaigns, you know, an artist has to do in order to get more exposure. But the blessing too is that with digital technologies, artists are now able to, especially artists who aren't based in the West, they're now able to be seen by their own means. They don't actually necessarily have to go through a curator or an institution. They're able to, if they have the capability, if they also just happen to be an artist and great marketeer, then, you know, they're able to get that sort of access to a global art community. Yes. And I think there is the saying, like one view could be the right view. And depending on where it takes place, it can lead to new opportunities. And obviously in the physical space, it's limited who can see your work and who might lead you to new to new doors that you can open for yourself but in the digital space while it's incredibly incredibly competitive because there's just so much going on and our attention span is so much more limited when we are consuming via screens it's i think just how we how we evolved as it's new cyborgs basically um I think if you think about it from that perspective, not having to, you know, amass a huge, huge following our audience, but thinking about one view can be the right view in the digital space makes it so much more viable to accelerate an artistic career today. 
even though it's obviously like not easy. I don't want to paint the picture of it being uh, being a smooth sailing <laughs> ride. <laughs> so not to jump around, but would you say that math in some way led you to becoming a digital artist? I would consider myself as an artist working with and dialoguing with the digital space. I would not necessarily define myself as a digital artist. Mm. But definitely like the curiosity I have for a logical system, which is mathematics, is something that also excites me about technology and and how we are able to build new tools and collaborate with developers in the digital space. So I think I'm coming more from the perspective of, of curiosity and the understanding that basically everything that we have and can touch us is somehow reliant on a mathematical logical system. And I can find a lot of poetry just in that acknowledgement. Mm. And uh, and yeah, so it's something that is always present, especially in Web3, because the technology is moving and evolving so, so fast that it's very beneficial if there is a natural ability to have courage to look at code, for example, mm-hmm. and and see what's actually on the blockchain and try to understand how it works and maybe also, you know, dive into generative art and programming languages a little bit just to have a feeling for how the current art moving is evolving and some very important tools that is based on almost similar to, you know, having to be able to draw when you enter art school in most institutions, at least. It's just something mandatory for different reasons, I think. I think it's beautiful, but today it's shifting. There has to be a natural curiosity for internet connection and technology. And I definitely, yeah, bring that with me as well. Mm-hmm. That's great. I love that tie. So five years from now, what will the future of digital art look like? It will be on the blockchain. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> great it answer. Will be, it will be on the blockchain. And I'm saying this specifically to people who, who aren't in, in Web3 or NFT space yet, because unfortunately, the narrative around NFTs and Web3 in the media is very much, and on social media, uh, is dominated by money and economy, which is important because we all have to make a living. Mm-hmm. But something that isn't being highlighted and emphasized enough, and it is the point that I always start with when I, I don't know, give workshops or um, give an introduction to NFTs to people who are in there, it is that the blockchain as a decentralized technological system is the only or most resilient storage and thus archival solution we currently have. Mm-hmm. So the question of how do I actually archive my work in a digital space in a future-proof way, we know the answer isn't Instagram. And we know the answer is also not a bunch of hard drives that nobody can access and that break after a couple of years. But the answer is very simply just the blockchain. And so five years from now, I think it will be very, very common to store and archive and organize our work in digital art in decentralized systems, which then naturally leads to the combination of being visible as a practitioner while being on the market and having work available for sale through the blockchain. Yeah, it's such an interesting, I mean, I totally agree with you that the future is blockchain technology. And especially for artists, since many artist studios, a constant struggle is first digitizing old hard copy 
archives for the art. Digitizing that and then moving to other digital platforms to try to recreate that. But, you know, it's usually in some kind of database form that's Mm -hmm. not very intuitive or clunky or is difficult for them to access, like you mentioned, in a way that makes sense. And the blockchain sort of in a very seamless way that's super transparent and kind of gathers its provenance for an artist so that, you know, they're able to really tap back into, you know, their body of work and so can buyers and other art lovers. So I think the blockchain, as you said, is such an incredible tool for artists in their careers. So I, we don't have a crazy amount of time left, but I would really quickly like to ask you about your third project that you mentioned earlier. It's mm-hmm. called Behold the Ocean. Since it's sort of like climate change research in a place that isn't the West, would you describe a little bit how you got into that project? Is it a theme or a topic that is really important to you and your personal or artistic values? Uh, yes, that's a great white question. Everything I learned about marine biology and oceanography, I learned through this personal project. And so, yes, I'm naturally interested in everything. Like right now, if I think about something that I'm not interested in, I I don't even know what it would be. So mm-hmm. I can develop a passion for literally almost every single thing. And so it can be that can be quite exhausting and chaotic. So the way my projects develop is usually through an, a very organic process. And in that case, it drew me to Patagonia for very different reasons. I actually just knew I wanted to start a new project that I could both position in the documentary, but also in the artistic context. I was just being self-employed and left my last employer and yeah, made the jump in making a living as a visual artist full-time in 2019. And so I had to be very strategic about the kind of work I was doing. And I knew I wanted to go to Patagonia and just see it. And so I was looking for a story. And long story short, making a project about just the topic in general never really works, at least not naturally. So it has to be some angle or perspective being carved out. And so I did my research and I came across an article online that described Patagonia, this very, very peripheral and extreme and beautiful area as a future open air laboratory and very crucial for climate research and climate change. And I was hooked because the vocabulary was so poetic. And I just researched the names of the scientists who were mentioned in the article and reached out to them and introduced my work and asked them if I could come and see their work. And that's how I got my invitation for an expedition to the southernmost of of Patagonia. And that's how I started producing this project uh, on my own. That's incredible. I'm a natural researcher. Mm -hmm. And I think artists are too. So it's always very comforting and interesting the way that artists research. I think it's a little less linear and brave and creative. So I love the fact that you sort of initiated that research and contacted um, the scientists. Also, this project is a little different from your first two, which both seem pretty personal and mm-hmm. tied in some way to your identity and family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just find that contrast really, really interesting. And yeah, I can totally see that thread of you, I guess, seeking projects from a more organic process. Yeah. And I think, I think the relationship between the two is 
again, as a biracial woman who grew up in rural Germany, I was always concerned with the way my skin was being perceived as the most superficial organ I had. That was also like suffering from hyperpigmentation and like disturbances and was being looked at weirdly and all these things. And it was changing over time. And whenever I get a scar, I really have it for a very long time because of the way my skin works. And I really see a parallel between my skin and the way a glacier and a mountain is changing in nature through climate change, being disrupted by external circumstances and then just changing its very surface that we kind of use in order to define what it is and what it looks like. And that's actually, that's one reason why We Hope the Ocean is such a personal project to me, because the surface of nature keeps changing as well and is so is being so vulnerable and disrupted. And at the same time, nature is this liberated space that doesn't surrender to whatever we define it as. It just keeps changing. And I think this is where the first two projects I talked about and Behold the Ocean really relate to one another. Yeah, so. <laughs> what a poetic tie between projects. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's always something deeper that just can come across in conversation uh, and something very difficult to convey just, you know, in a statement or whatever. We always have to make it work for a stranger. And so I'm always glad when there is a little, like, a window of opportunity to actually explain why it's a personal project as well. So thank you for, for the <laughs> opportunity, basically. <laughs> so what are the top three pieces of advice you have for artists who are just getting started with digital art? Oh God, I'm going to be very annoying, <laughs> but they come from experience. So they are not top down, but it's annoying to just have to say patience. And by patience, I mean... Make a plan of how you want to spend your time in the digital space for the next 12 months. Don't make everything dependent on being successful in one or two months from now. Take a year and build it up slowly and do your research and connect to other people. And the second advice would be become familiar with Web3 technology and NFTs. Whether you like feel naturally drawn to it or not, just start researching uh, one step at a time. And the third advice would be don't feel pressure to comply with any kind of framework just because many, many platforms and things online look hyper curated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you have to fit into this place visibly from the get-go or at all. So keep doing what you do and keep some edges and some punk in your practice. Even when you go online, don't feel the urge to polish until it's so perfect and blended in that nobody cares. <laughs> Thank you so much, Acacia, for speaking and chatting with me today. You have a great mind. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for yeah thank you for having me like really, really lovely lovely way to connect to you <laughs> that's all we're going to have time to cover today but mm -hmm. before we wrap if people want to follow your journey where should they go right now it will be twitter it's at ava silvery yeah just say hi and i'm there all right thanks again and we look forward to seeing you execute on your vision Let's keep in touch. Thank you so much. Have a nice day. Thanks for listening to the Future of Digital Art podcast, brought to you by Sachi Art. 
If you enjoyed today's show, please do us a favor and leave us a rating or review. If you'd like to find out more about Tachi Art's first ever art NFT collection, The Other Avatars, or to engage with Sachi Art as an artist, please visit www.sachiart.com forward slash NFT. Thanks, and I'll catch you again on the next episode.